everybody, and welcome to the fourth edition of the Copcast podcast on Cop Left. Tonight, we're going to discuss the friendly match that took place last night, and also the other big stories, or the, 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 the stories that are in the news around Liverpool Football Club at the moment. And joining me in the pod tonight, uh, we have a new voice. Um, I'll start with him. We have Neil Devlin, who is up in Newton Abbey in Belfast. Uh, first time on the pod, not a very normal LFC voice. You normally do TV shows and shit like that, but we've got you on a Liverpool pod, and I hear you want to rant. Yeah, well, it's, I've decided I've ranted enough on Twitter, and people are sick of me there, so I'll come on, I'll do it in audio form now. <laughs> uh, well, all these country boys in this pod, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> between you there and him and Donny Gall, I don't, I don't know. And speaking of Donny Gall, we'll move across. John Henderson's with us. First time I've been on this with you, because you were on last week and I wasn't here. Been a while since I talked to you. How the hell are you, John? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Counting the days this season fucking starts because I've just had it with pre season now. Had it. <laughs> well, I never had it to begin with with pre season. I fucking hate it. It's a complete waste of time. Uh, so I buy end of that 100%, but sure, we'll talk shite about it anyway. And last but not least, Neil Patterson. I've got two Neils today. So, Chief, how are you? All right, not too bad. Yeah, pretty pretty fed up with preseason myself, like. But uh, at least it's every day that goes past, um, the real stuff's getting closer. That's it. Why? And tell me this: Why are they calling you chief all of a sudden? Can you can you maybe explain to me? Because I don't know. Well, I think it's because there are two names, like, and then Umara mentioned, are there any nicknames? And that was one that popped up. A few people have called me chief in, in over the years, like. So it seems to be. What was being bandied about today in the chat? I don't think it's going to stick, but sure, you never know. Ah, it's got good mud. We'll get mud and it'll stick. Don't you worry. <laughs> Listen, we'll we'll move into it anyway. And uh, we got trounced by Roma last night uh, in a preseason. Who really cares? I don't. You know, I'm just wondering how mu- how much do you read into this? You know, what we'd spoke pre-pod about. You know, the time with trounced Dortmund at Anfield and everything was great, and we we're going to win the league and we we're going to do this, and then the reality of it all. But we didn't. I'm just curious, as you, you know, we've said there's this mixed point of view. Some people enjoy preseason. I think it's got a bit too spectacular, razzmatazz-ish and shit like that. Uh, Neil, since you're uh, on the, the pod for the first time, I'll, I'll let you have the floor here on it. And uh, what are your what are your thoughts about it? Well, I have two thoughts. One thought is there's a lot of people getting very uppity on Twitter, saying, "Oh, well, imagine." looking into pre-season or people reading too much into it, it's only pre-season, sure, you're mental or whatever. But these are the same players that have been doing the same things for three years now, two years now. Like, if Mignolet's flapping at something, it's he's been flapping at something for three years. I'm not reading into something if I'm seeing it in pre-season and going, well, Mignolet's doing that again. And then these very same people are the same people that are going, don't read too much into it. As soon as we have a good performance, oh, did you look at the movement? Look at the movement. Look at this is great. This bodes well. Sure, look at that top four. It's fluid. If, if, if we play like this in a normal match, we, we'll, we'll spank everybody. So kind of one of both ways. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you on that. And, you know, to me, it's just, it's a, it's a fitness test. That's basically it. It's just, it's a bit, I see preseason just as building systems and building fitness. And Chief, haha, it's going to stick. Chief, what do you think? Tell, t- tell us all. For fuck's sake. You're going to keep calling me that, are you? <laughs> you said it might not stick, so I'm going to make sure it fucking sticks. Uh, it's suggestion. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so um, no, I would I would agree. I mean, obviously, it's nice to win because it's always nice to win. But the results aren't are the, the kind of the important thing about it. 
Yeah, I mean, it is really glitzy and glamorous these days, or they try to make it glitzy and glamorous because it's all about the tours and um, you know reaching out to fans uh, across across the world in different parts of yeah, in different parts of the globe. And of course, with the the corporate nature of football these days, like and and our sponsors and and whatever, and if, you know, it's going to have that 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 element to it. I don't know though. I mean, I think preseason's been good in the fact that we've played a lot of games. We've been able to see a lot of different players. They've been able to spend time together, work together, train together, and actually see each other on the pitch. And I think we've played quite well, you know, in preseason. And you know, I take Neil's point that. You know, you're not watching some players in a vacuum. It's not like you're going, oh, that's the first time they've ever made a mistake or that's the first time they've ever ever done that or what with, with some of the returning players. But, you know, with the with the new players, it's been good to actually see them in a Liverpool shirt already, you know, and a couple of them, you know, a couple of strikers have got goals and, you know, they've um, bet, been able to bet in. Sadio Mane's played, what, five or six games for us now, like, with teammates he's going to be playing with and whatever, and he's... He's been able to, you know, allow allow his new teammates to to see how he plays on the pitch and um, and whatever. And you know, it's been nice in a way to to see. I mean, I know Sacco got got sent home, so but the, he wouldn't have played anywhere anywhere there because he's he's injured. So that's given Clavin the chance to to play. And you know, if and when we need him, we could well need him to start the season. But it's good that he's not just coming in cold. You know, he's also played with teammates and before and uh, you know they, they've gotten a bit used to playing with him so yeah there's a lot of glitz and glamour about it but I think this pre-season has probably been one of the best in a long time and that we've we've actually given the players a chance to to bet in a little and to to play with each other so I'm uh, hoping that bodes well yeah well so that's really all we can do John for you quickly um anything more to add on it that you know I know like you just want to get down you want to get down to it you want to get that Arsenal game out of the way for for me it's just like you know 14 days get it get it done get it over yeah uh, yeah I agree I mean for pre-season is just about getting the fitness levels getting the tactics right I, I do think this is a better pre-season than we've had in a while because by all accounts Claps had loads of sessions with the team. They've had loads of time to sort of prepare and tactics and being away in the States. Claps big on building up that team spirit and that camaraderie. And that seems to be very much what they've been able to do. I think it's been better as well because let's face it, we're, we, we've played some, some, some very poor teams and wasted trips. Um, I think preseason, whereas, you know, Milan, Roma, Chelsea, we've got. Barcelona <laughs> on Saturday. That should so, be fun. I, I think, yeah, that, uh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah, we're going yeah, to get tanked again, in other words. <laughs> Getting fucking tanked. <laughs> but, on a, but on a serious, I think on a serious note, that's much better preparation. At least those teams are sort of exposing some of the problems and some of the things that give you a chance to actually fix it. Whereas sometimes you go out to the Far East and you're playing these local all star 11s and you're winning six and seven now and i don't think you're you're taking a lot from that so i think it's been i think it's been good preparation but uh, we were talking there earlier about the dortmund before we came on about that dortmund pre-season and you, you would have thought after that we were absolutely on fire that day we were going to have a great season you can never read too much into it good or bad and it's a cliche but you'll only really see where we're at when we go out there at the 
at the Emirates on Sunday week. That'll be the that'll be the proof of the pudding there. But I think it's been a decent decent preseason. And yeah, as as Neil said, players like Mane, Wijnaldum getting a bit of game time can do us no harm going into the new season. But listen, one thing that has been happening in these friendlies is we we have managed to see all the goalkeepers thanks to Carius's injury. I'm just curious, you know, I want to bring this up just at this point. And Neil, uh, Chief Neil, I know you've some views on this one, um, what happened to him and so on. And we we, we touched on it briefly before we recorded as well. It is a bit of a disaster at the minute, um, given you were, we were hoping to see him start the season and so on. And given Mingale after what he did last night, now, I haven't seen the game, but I saw enough of the video of that to say, oh, Christ, here we go again. Not this again this season. It is pretty bad. And, and it's so unlucky. And then Moreno, I think, uh, limped off later on in that game as well. So your thoughts about the injuries? Yeah, well, I mean, that that is something that, that is a bit annoying with these uh, sort of quasi competitive friendlies you know when you have these sort of international champions club or whatever you call it and then you you, you kind of you get these i don't know rash challenges or sl- over competitive for for what you mean uh, for what you want in, in a in a pre-season friendly uh we, we had a few of them the chelsea game for example and i don't know what fabregas was thinking you know there are challenges flying in there in the milan game i'm not sure who it was i can't remember who it was but the stamps it stamped on orgy you know, and he was out then last night. He had a knock, you would assume, because of that. Uh, I know Moreno uh, was only a, a dead leg, so I mean, but that, I mean, a dead leg can keep a player out for for a week. So the injuries are annoying. Carius is the big one. Carius is, is is the massive one because everybody, but everybody, was prepared for a key position. Seat. Yeah, absolutely key position. Uh, everyone had identified it as being the, the key signing to make. It was the first signing that was made, I'm pretty sure, except for Matip, and that was a pre-contract. And to have, you know, to, to be all set to be starting with, with a new clean slate, a new goalkeeper, a new chapter in, in LFC goalkeeping and hopefully the LFC defence, because it hasn't been great in the last four seasons, uh, maybe even longer, but I'd say four seasons. It's soul-destroying, really. It's gotten to, to be going into that first match against Arsenal and kind of going, shit. Uh, not only could we very possibly be without uh, both of our probably preferred starting centre-backs in Matip and Sacco, we're also definitely going to be without our preferred starting goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's really up for grabs who's going to start that game against Arsenal if if club fancies Mignolet at all or if the bridges there are, are burnt and um, Manager's going to come in because certainly for on last night's display, I felt Manager acquitted himself better. They both conceded a goal, but Mignolet's goal again was displayed symptoms of his, you know, general insecurity, indecisiveness, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. All the baggage that goes with him. So yeah, it's pretty much a nightmare for us. It's, it's, these are the worst kind of injuries we, we could have gotten in in terms of um, in terms of Matip and in terms of Carius. But you know, can't have any excuses really. We should have a squad, we do have a squad, and we've, we've just got to take it on the chin and, and get through those games. No, and I hear you on that. I'll, I'll, and Neil Devlin, you know, given what we saw from Mingale, it's the same old, same old. Uh, it appears, you know, he has one of those catastrophic fuck-ups in every game, and we're sort of used to that. We come to expect it. Is it the time maybe, do you think, can you see Klopp maybe saying, fuck it, put Manninger in for the start of the season? Yeah, kind of, but then it just... To, 
well, to me, I just kind of think, remember when Brad jo- when Mignolet was so bad, everyone was like, well, Brad Jones can't be any worse. <laughs> and then Brad Jones came in for the United match, and was arguably the worst. But he was. He was desperately, desperately worse. Yeah. It's kind of like a better the devil you know sort of situation. It's kind of like what you were saying earlier about one or two performances in preseason doesn't really mean much, like El Hadz Juve. Like, all we've seen really is a half of manager. Do we really want to go down that road? I'm not sure. But my main concern would be the eighth place that we finished last year was with a defence of Klein, Moreno, Mignolet, Lovren and No Sacco, and we're now starting the league with Biggs, Klein, Moreno, Lovren, and No Sacco. It's kind of a bit like Groundhog Day, and everyone's sort of saying, "Oh, we've had a great window or whatever." But if we had such a great window, why was everybody losing their minds when Caris got injured? Do you know what I mean? Because we shouldn't be relying on one signing to just change the entire team. It's clearly a system problem or more than one individual that is the problem, it shouldn't be... Like, if Carius were to pull his hamstring or something was out for the rest of the season, does that just mean we write off our season again? It just seems we are always seem to be sitting on a knife edge. It seems to be the same with the midfield as well. If anything happened with Can, everybody would lose their minds. But everyone's still sort of going, oh, we've, got a, we've had a great transfer window. It, to me, I think we're still very precarious. I think a lot of things kind of need to change between now and the end of the season before we can say that... We're ready. We've got a good score. And we're ready. We can, we're ready to deal with these problems because year on year it seems to be one player, and we're absolutely fucked. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that to an extent. Um, you know, particularly, probably particularly in the in that central midfield area. You know, Emery is. We are kind of hanging all our, our eggs on that basket, it, or putting all our eggs in in that basket, depending on on how Grudge progresses and and whether Jordan Henderson is anything like. Um, the player that he was in 13-14. The only area I guess we, we sort of can ride those injuries are, are in the in the front line. We have a few options there now between um, Markovic, Mane, Firmino, Coutinho, Sturridge, Origi, Ings, etc. I mean, there there is a bit of depth there. Um, we've been, but yet again, we've been unfortunate. You know, we're looking at um, the starting the season with, like Nick says, the defence of of Mignolet, Klein. Moreno, Lovren, and, and No Sacco, and it's just a really bloody annoying that the goalkeeper was signed, the starting right back that was signed, and Sacco are all injured. You're right, you're right in a sense, but um, bloody unlucky there with, with injuries again. But it is going to take time to build up, you know, a really, a really st- a strong squad in in terms of depth. No, you're absolutely right. These injuries are, you know, and especially the goalkeeper is such a key position, John. Um, and, and given the fact that, you know, we've seen all that we really want to see of Simon Mingle in, in that jersey. You know, we've, we've suffered it for two seasons. And, you know, he's, he's had an off season there and he's come back and he's just making exactly the same mistakes. It's Groundhog Day for him every time he pulls on a Liverpool shirt. As much as I like the kid, really, for me, I, I'd put Maniger in. I really would. And I haven't seen him. <laughs> and that's without even seeing him. It's just basically knowing what I know of him. I think, you know, the experience and so on would be a better option for us starting the season. Well, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are there's absolutely no chance that Maniger will play at all. I think Klopp's even said that. Um, he's come out and he's basically there as an experienced goalkeeper to guide Mignolet and, and, and Karius and just be a, an experienced. He, he can pass on some some tips to them. So I, I don't think it. I think it will be Mignolet. It's frustrating. I think there's two ways to, to look at it. Well, the first 
what the guys have said about the the defence we're going to start with, that's absolutely valid. It's very, very frustrating that we can't. I think early on in the season, we'd all have liked to have seen Karius get settled in, Matip get settled in, and have that strong sort of build that understanding and that core at the back and in the spine of the team, which has been substandard for for too many years now. So that's going to delay that. I said on the previous pod, we could still do with covering the the fullback positions. And I get Neil's point around it feels precarious. It does feel a bit precarious and that we're going into a season in in a very tough Two of the first three games are very tough. We've got to go to Arsenal. We've got to go to Tottenham. They're going to be real examinations of our defence. It's not ideal that we're probably going to be going into that with the personnel that they've talked about. Having said that, on the other side of the coin, I think Klopp's brought a lot of players in. Uh, There's a lot of options up front. We'd still probably like a defensive midfielder, but I think part of it with Klopp as well is he wants to move players on. He knows that there's no... Europa League this season, we're, we're going to be focusing on the league. He, he can't have too big a squad of players for that. But there's no doubt about it. It's, we're going to need, I, I think the, the signs are we will get a left back to challenge Moreno or, or force Moreno out of the team. Klein, I, I'm happy enough with. But yes, the, the, the centre-back's definitely an issue. Clavin looks pretty good. From what I've seen of him, he looks solid, looks to play on the front foot. But having the likes of Potentially Lovren Mignolet there. That's, yeah, you know, we, we'd like to think we were beyond that a wee bit, but that's what we're going to run with and that's the way it's going to be for the for the first three games, Dave. And I think it's just important we, that we get off to a good start and the attack finds their feet because if they can bang in the goals, it might cover up some of those cracks for, for the first three or four weeks of the season. No, absolutely. And Neil uh, Devlin... God, this is difficult. <laughs> um, I know you have uh, some some views on our, our transfer business and on, with FSG and so on. So I'm, go- I'm going to swing across here because John mentioned, in my opinion, we need a defensive midfielder or a central midfielder of some description as well as a left back, especially if Lucas goes here, um, as, as it's sort of reported he will do. I don't fancy, as much as people are saying Milner had a great game at left back, th- those words don't really inspire me but with much confidence. Um, I think, you know, there was talk during the week as well, or t- towards the end of last week, that we were going to go and pay the money that they the wanted from uh, in Cologne for Jonas Hector, which I would welcome, actually. But what what, what is your thoughts been on, on what we've done, and, and where do you think we're, we're still lacking it? My issue, like, is at the start of the transfer window, nobody would have said, hey, we need some more attacking midfielders, and we need some more <laughs> left centre-backs. But it seems to just be the the Liverpool way to go out and buy some attacking midfielders and a left sided centre back. It seems it's it's nuts to me. Like we can see the glaring issues. Yeah, the goalkeeper's been brought in. That's great, fine. But the next area everyone was saying it is central midfield. And yeah, we've brought in Rich or whatever in January. But he's an 18, 19 year old guy. He doesn't. He's not that highly rated. Sure, he may turn into be something brilliant. But at the minute, our entire centre field is just relying on Emery Chan, who, like, six months ago, our, our fan base was going, is he really good enough to be at the club? I think that he is, obviously. Like, But he's it's like last night. He goes If he has a bad game, then the entire team just goes to shit because we're just relying on him. It's kind of like when we had Steven Gerrard surrounded by shite. Uh, if he has a bad game, that everything goes to crap. It just seems 
it seems every year after year that it's it's a flawed transfer plan. And FSG, yeah, people say, hey, look, they paid thirty million for Mane, all this crack. But it's not really to me. It's not about the transfer fees to get these players in. It's about the continuation of wages. FSG are reluctant to spend on wages because they see that as lower risk. The, sure, the the fee comes up thirty million. It's it's a one off payment, whatever at the time. But they're not ready to continue paying. 200 grand a week or whatever but it's it's the best players that require the, these wages and I think you can go out and you can make all these 30 million pound signings you want but half of them are going to be Andy Carroll it's a rare enough occasion sure it happens like but mostly wages reflect the quality of the player and if you're out and you're paying those wages that's generally the type of player you're getting and I think people just get confused with fees and net spend and all this and sort of forget in the background that these players are maybe on 50 or 60k, and uh, whereas players going to Man City, Chelsea, whatever, are on 200, 300k. Like Wayne Rooney's on 300,000 pounds a week, you know what I mean? Although that's not a great shout for quality. Dick Turpin wear a mask, like. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Dick Turpin did wear a mask. <laughs> it's, it's like, the, we, we're not, we're, and we're the eighth most valuable club in the world we have the eighth highest revenue whatever and we're like we're still we're still paying like we're Dortmund in 2007 2005 or whatever people keep going oh well Klopp didn't do this when he came into Dortmund yeah but Dortmund weren't us they were they weren't the eighth richest club in the world and it showed year on year when Klopp the better Dortmund were doing the more they spent so I think I think just from the outset it's flawed I think it could be easily solved if FSG all you have to do is bring in one, two highly paid players and the whole thing just sort of transforms and it shows a bit of ambition as well. I think we lack ambition and there's plenty of fans saying, what what ambition are we showing? And a fan, our own fans are saying that, what are the play, prospective players saying? You know, we just, I, to me, we just lack ambition in the transfer market and people get lost in fees and all that. It's all about wages. It all comes down to wages in the end. No, and you know what? You make some very, very valid points, and, and I buy into some of them, Neil. Absolutely, I do. You know, I, I truly believe that we would buy a name. There's still time um, to buy that name, as you say. You're talking about two of them. I, I only ever thought we'd get one of them. And what, you know, whether it be what, what somebody stole from Dortmund or somebody stole from the Bundesliga, a bigger name, or somebody stole from Spain, but I, think um, a, I, I really thought that we would do... There's a problem with that philosophy, I think, as well, because... It's fair, it's a very hard sell to say to, hey, Mario Gotze, do you want to come in and we're going to build an entire team around you? Mario Gotze doesn't want to come in and play with shite and carry the whole team. Do you know what I mean? It's, he wants to come in and play with good players. So if you bring in one, two, both of those players, you can say, hey, we're bringing in that player and then the Taylor player, you can say, hey, you're bringing in that player and it immediately shows ambition. And then when you brought in those two players, the rest of the team ups their game. And then just as you carry on, you can collect more of these world class players. Because you're showing ambition. No, and absolutely, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, but given you know Klopp's record, you know, I, I was listening to a guy talking here the other day, and he talked about you know you know we cried and cried and cried to get rid of Rodgers and to replace him with Klopp, and now we're complaining about you know Klopp's transfer activity when it's exactly what he did at Dortmund. I want to bring uh, Neil Patterson into this one at, at this point. You, you know, Neil, it is what he did at Dortmund, but as and Neil Devon made a very very good point. This isn't Dortmund. We are Liverpool. We're a little bit bigger than that. Or we like to believe that we're a little bit bigger than that, maybe. And dude, lack. You know, we lost Gerrard. And we've never had a player like that. I know players can grow into that and so on. But but that's what we have at the minute. Players, potentially, who can grow into that role. 
what, what's your thoughts on what's been said here? Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting uh, debate, like, isn't it? I think Neil's point about it's not been done. I mean, the, you know, in terms of finances, it's, it's absolutely true. In terms of position in the league and having been and being a fallen giant, we are we are like Dortmund. We've got our history, we've got our past, we've got our hard luck stories that we were all chatting about before, you know, in the pre-pod. But in, in the reality of things, in the last well, you've got to say really since two thousand and five, we haven't won anything anything major. We've won, won an FA Cup and a League Cup since then, so it's a long, 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 long time. We're finishing 6th, 7th and 8th in the league on a regular basis. We had one magical season, which ultimately ended in, in failure. We are looking to build something, and we're looking to build it from a position of, of relative relative weakness in terms of no European football or last year, you know, the secondary European competition. Uh, prior to last year, we had a, a manager who was absolutely unknown outside of a very small part of, you know, outside of the UK, essentially. And even once when you got to Ireland and stuff, people would still, you know, in, in, in certain parts say, who the fuck is this guy? So we had no He's from Carnlock there. now. He's from Carnlock. Give him a break, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we had, we, had, we had a very, very small profile on the continent over the, over the last few years, certainly relative to our, our, our normal profile and, and our history, as I said. So we do have to put in foundations that, uh, you know, and they have to be steady. We can't just throw money at this and just hope that dining somebody for 250k a week on 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 250k a week is just gonna you know be be the, the magic uh, the magic wand and and everything's gonna be fine. I mean, I, I totally take Neil's point as well about bringing in more than one and and then it becoming a rolling a rolling thing and a self fulfilling prophecy that, that you get better and better. But at the same time, there are a lot of pay- players that have come into the Premier League in the last little while that have gone to clubs like Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea with paying huge huge wages transfer fees as well but massive wages and they flopped you know and there's no guarantee i mean i think with the one of the biggest lies in the world is that the the big the, the capitalism's biggest fallacy is that you get what you pay for because because essentially you don't you know if you're you've got to be savvy and you're going to be savvy with everything and you know it is club style to do it and he wasn't suddenly going to change and start lashing out huge transfer fees yep bigger club more money so the fees and the fees are bigger there's no doubt about that we are investing money a lot of money big fees decent wages i mean i read it the other day christian erickson's only on 35k a week at spurs i mean their spurs they get loaded up and down the country about being so so wonderful but they 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 operate the same policies as liverpool do in terms of wage structure and you know it's not it's not going to change and i think that's you know one of the one of the main reasons why fsg wanted a, a manager like club because you know he works within those parameters he wants to create something he wants to improve players and and mold players that are already there players that uh, are play, are are very good players but could be great i mean we've got some potentially world class players within the ranks but as was rightly pointed out earlier, it's only it's only at this point still potential. But in Daniel Sturridge, in Firmino, in Coutinho, you know, in Emre Chan, you do have poten- four potentially world-class players there. In Divock Origi as well, still young, but potentially world-class. Dejan Lovren. And- <laughs> well, that's where things fall down a little. But, you know, I, I, I would like to see a, a central midfielder, a general come in. But then at the same time, 
is Klopp going to go out and spend 40, 45, 50 million on that when he really wants Emre Chan to be that and grow into that within the next six months, you know, within the next half season? So, I mean, it's unlikely that it's going to happen. We'll see. We also need cover at fullback. Of course, everybody knows it. And it would be nice to have another sentiment filler. But I'm not surprised by the signings that have been made. And I'm not surprised that we haven't got a, a huge name just for the sake of it. And I, actually, I, I don't want to pay players 250k a week. I don't care if United and Chelsea do it. It's, it wouldn't sit right with me. <laughs> No, and I'll, I'll comment you on with a different angle on it because I like to sort of cover all bases here. Basically, we don't have a brand name. We spoke, we had Dave Hendrick there on Bodies in the Box at the weekend, and, he, and we were talking about, you know, the clubs are now brand names, and this is these tours and whatnot they do. And, you know, we don't have a player who is a brand, basically. Uh, we had with Gerard. And when we lost that, we don't have that. We don't have a Neymar. We don't have a Messi. We don't have a Suarez. You know, the bigger names, the Griezmanns. You know, these players that are, that are building themselves into a brand. And do you think that our our brand as Liverpool Football Club suffers for that? Uh, and, and maybe that's the only, you know, I love FSG. Quite frankly, I think there's there's a lot of people maybe listening to this who, who don't remember back as far as the Gillette and Hicks era, which was like, uh, it was the darkest days for Liverpool Football Club in the time that I've been supporting them. And, you know, I'm just quite happy now that they seem to have got their man. Klopp's making the right noises. I'm saying this season, you can beat me up over this uh, as, as the pods go on. I'll take six or, uh, fifth, six or seventh this season as long as it's, it's, it projects us forward. You know, it may take that. There's a hell of a big clear out. There's a hell of a lot of new faces. May take time to chill. It may not go the way that we we all think it does, but I'm willing to give them the time. But do you think that we are still missing that marquee player? You know, that, that brand, John? Yeah, well... We don't currently have a player of of, of Gerard's stature. Uh, that's clear. Having said that, Gerard became a marquee player. Gerard was a was from Highton and came through the ranks and was arguably he'd certainly be in most people's top five of the greatest players ever to play for Liverpool. Um, so he became a marquee player. I think what's tended to happen is. We have made some very astute signings in the transfer market, like Suarez, who was only $22 million, who's now the best, uh, for me, definitely the best number nine in the world, the best striker in the world. Torres was another one, and he was signed for $20 million. It was decent money at the time, but became a marquee player. You, you're probably right in a sense, Dave, that we don't have someone right now of that stature. Can continue, Chan push on to become that level of player, Origi. Possibly they can. I think you're right. We don't have that standout player at the club, but that only comes through these players now achieving things as part of a team that Klopp's building. I get where Neil... I'm just going to call him Devlin. <laughs> I get where he's coming from. <laughs> You'd be used to that coming from Cookstown anyway, I'm sure, Devlin. I, I get where he's... I, I, I get where he's coming from. It does strike me that there is, it feels like there is a bit of a lack of ambition in some of the signings. I certainly felt this summer that the attraction of Klopp would have brought in maybe a higher caliber of player. And even in terms of some of the, the young talent like Dembele, who looks absolutely sensational in preseason for Dortmund, we were so heavily linked with him and we weren't able to get him and Dortmund were able to offer him a better I don't, whether it's a better package, maybe it was more more game time, who knows. But I, I think we, we could be doing a bit more 
Can, can um, I just can uh, I just add to that? It's just I was talking with Joseph Cousins on Twitter, and he made a great point, and he was saying when Klopp was brought in, what we kept hearing about Brendan Rodgers was how Brendan Rodgers does it wasn't known in France, and he wasn't known here, there, and everywhere. But really, is, is there anybody in our that we've signed this year we couldn't have signed under Rodgers? That's just sort of where I'm left thinking. There's not really, is there? Yeah. So was it really yeah, Rodgers holding us back, or was it? The lack of ambition. Yeah, you're 100 percent right, and I agree. I think the likes there, there's not a player that's come in this summer that we wouldn't have been able to sign uh, without Klopp. And the thing is, as well, FSG across the pond are noted for their big outlays in the in the baseball. And I know guys that are stateside will bring that up, say they're not afraid to, to spend uh, the big money in that way. And, and I think the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. Klopp clearly is not a guy that wants a big ego. He doesn't. I, I don't think personally Klopp wants to bring in a player uh, on 150000 to 200000 a week. And I think the question you have to ask is, if he wanted someone like that, would, would FSG back him? And I, I'd suggest they probably would because they've, think got, they would, their, yeah. they've got their I man. think they would. Yeah, I think if Klopp wanted that type of player, I think they would back him because they went to such lengths to make sure that they got him. But no, I mean, I, I get both sides of the argument. And I think whatever we, we think, we've got Klopp and he's going to do it his way. And his way is to bring in players, not of big egos, develop a team spirit and develop a style and way of playing where the team is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's the way he's going to go. And I think if we're going to go that way, we've got the best manager to do it. And I'm still more optimistic than you, Dave. Um, I, I still think we're going to have a strong season, albeit uh, I just hope these injuries at the back clear up quick. Yeah, I think that's the key. Though, though, if we can get the defence settled, you know, if we can get our first choice back five out more often in more games than not, you know, in seventy-five percent, eighty percent of the league games, I think we've got the you know we've got the firepower and the pace now, the goals in the team, the variation up front to really cause to really cause a lot of trouble in this Premier League, you know. And if we can put the sort of the lower teams, whatever you want to call them, yeah, the, the, the bottom kind of 12 to the sword with uh, this season instead of dropping but that's points. that's where like, we struggle, Neil. Yeah, that's absolutely. where we struggle historically against the minnows. But if you've got a solid, uh, if you've got that solid base there to defence, so you're not conceding goals, then you're, you're in a much better position. Our problem has been in the last four seasons, three or four seasons, the number of goals you can see, like, so... You know, you're starting. You're on a. You're a. You're on a hiding to nothing. Really, you have to. If you're conceding at a rate of two a game, you know, you have to score a lot of goals to win games. So, yeah, let's see. I'm quite optimistic. I have to say about this season. I mean, I know that it's not like big star names and and you know the absolute superstars of the games that we've signed, but we have, as has been mentioned on, on a few other pods, we've signed players for specific positions. We've addressed specific concerns within the squad and okay there are still a couple of gaps as we mentioned earlier but it seems to be a much more structured approach this this transfer window and you, you seem to be able to see the manager's um, real stamp on the on the players that have come in so yeah you've you kind of just got to strap in and hope that just trust in club for a little while anyway and see how, how this team comes together uh, Neil I think we said it on the last one as well that there is a real point to be made here that given that we're not in Europe we're going to have the preparation time before games and that was something that Klopp showed in at times last season and the limited time that he had that he can make a real difference there 
And I think for us, that preparation time, and that getting the shape of the team right and getting the fitness levels, that for me is going to be a more important factor than the, than the players we've signed uh, this season. Yeah, absolutely. Getting the, just getting the, everything worked out on the training pitch. And he's such a, he has such a, a direct vision of what he wants for each game and in each situation. So the more that that can be imparted to the players, the better. And yeah, the last time, we keep saying it, but the last time we, we had a clear run at just the domest, uh, domestic competitions, we, we did pretty well. So I'm going to wind it back to Neil again here. You know, we started off with you on this one. And, you know, as I say, we talk about we didn't get, but we missed, in my opinion as well, we missed the bargain of the summer. And we were the first one in on it. And that was Marlos Moreno from Atletico Nacional in Colombia. This kid is, he's fucking electric. Like he's, he's the best kid I've seen in absolute ages, guaranteed to be a star. He, the reported fee is 8 million to City. And we were around, we were sniffing it all around that. And we're the first uh, European club to even look at him, and we missed him. And th- those are the kind of things, because that is FSG's plan. And that begs a question for me, albeit, you know, I'm still happy enough, but it still begs a question, you know, what what are we actually doing? Th- there was a player, you know, of, of the cut of Neymar, if you will, um, certainly at the same age. And we, we, we just turned our nose up at about 8 million. And you see then we're, we're out spending that money on money and whatnot. And to me, it just, it, it's a worry. I do have worries this season. And I'm hoping that, you know, but come May, I'll be sitting going, what a dickhead you were having these fears, you know? FSG's whole idea, well, everyone guesses FSG's whole idea is to bring these stars through and everything. But as as Neil said, as, as you say, Morris Reno as well, we don't seem to be signing the real elite A++ players in the 19-year-old age bracket either. Do you know what I mean? We always seem to be kind of just buying just the level below. And it, it seems to be knocking on and on. I don't keep, mean to keep harping back to the ambition thing again, but it just it's smacks of a lack of ambition because you, it, they seem to find it hard to attract even these players because... Most of these, like, they can't even play on the history because most of these players <laughs> were born just just yeah, before Istanbul. Past, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. so they can't even attract them at that. So it's what are they doing at that level as well that they can't attract Sama Dembele or they can't get Marlos Moreno. So so then you're left and you're you're getting players like Sadio Mane, which Sadio Mane might turn out to be fantastic, whatever. But we've spent thirty million on him, which is much more than Dembele or Moreno. And he's also arguably less less of a prospect, even. So yeah, he might work out, but at the same time, we're not even doing ourselves any favors by signing. Nobody we sign as a young player has any of these other teams fearing what they might become. There's no Dembele, as you say. It's not like we're not signing up like the next Varane or something like that. Like Jonathan Ta, for example, would be a statement if you went to Bayer Leverkusen and you got him. You hear everybody going on about him. You might get people saying, hey, that, that shows a bit of ambition, but we don't seem to even be doing that. We seem to just be going for those sort of B-grade players and then hoping that the environment is right and the whole cocktail that sort of Liverpool just works out. And, and to me, like these guys are these guys are all about risk management, like they're hedge fund managers. And to me, like I'm no expert, but to me that's, it seems like this is an even higher risk strategy than just going out and buying proven stars. I don't know if you guys agree or not, but I, I agree with your point that, like, obviously we discussed. I think Clap has a way of going about it, but I do agree with your point on 
And I don't think it's just Liverpool either, by the way. There seems to be a real slowness generally in English teams to get the elite players. You've got Mbolo, who's gone from Basel. You've got Dembele, who's who's gone from France to Germany. I think Mbolo's went to to Germany as well. Neil, I'm not sure which team he went to, but it just seems like the the real elite 18 to 21-year-old Guys that are Shop the most sought after. Yeah, that's right. They, they do seem to be snapped up by teams in the Bundesliga or in, in Serie A. And if, and so I don't think it's just a problem in And they're always uh, lesser teams Liverpool. John, well. if I could, uh, It's like they're lesser teams than us. It's not yeah, like, but they're getting playing time. Yeah, yeah They're not guaranteed the playing uh, time. I think, and that's the problem. Yeah, I think there are a lot of, a lot of issues with the Premier League, actually, uh, and the way that the, the, the youngest... And the best, the, the most elite are, uh, you know, think about it and are talked, uh, t- taught about it. Premier League, we get, we, we, we always get this best league in the world stuff. It's, it's, it's not. And the players know it's not. And the young players particularly know that it's not going to help their development to come to the Premier League at, at 19, 20 when they're hugely hot prospects because the pressure is huge. They're going to be singled out by the press and they're being advised this. They're being advised this. They're being advised. Yeah. If you want to go for the money. You go to the Premier League, but don't go there for your career. Go and make a career in Germany. Go and make a career in Italy. Go and make a career in Spain, or, or maybe not even, but you know, go and make a career in one of these countries. Build up your reputation, and then maybe then move to the Premier League and, and get your payday. But that's what it's that's what it's seen as. I mean, the the very top youngsters. I mean, the Premier League is regarded with a lot of, if not disdain then it's seen as the gaudy kind of glitzy sort of fakery, if you will, the showbiz, the Hollywood, the razzmatazz. It's not the business of football, if you know what I mean. And those players that are really absolutely dedicated to improving themselves as individuals and making the best possible career in terms of becoming the best kind of, the the best player they can be, they're advised not to come to the Premier League. And if you look at some of the clubs that these these guys are signing for, you know the the Dembele's and and the uh, Embolos and so on, they're, they're they're signing for clubs that have a proven reputation of not only playing player young players and giving them playing time, but of developing them. And they're signing for clubs that are playing in, in the Champions League. They're signing for uh, they're not going for huge contracts. They're not like American football stars or like Premier League stars are now. You know they're. They're more screwed. Their heads are more screwed on, and they're more kind of level-headed in that sense. And I think the Premier League suffers a little bit from that. And I, I don't think the Brexit's going to fucking help anything either, to be honest. Because the top talent is it is it going to come to Britain now after all this and, and whatever's going on? So I think there are other external factors. And going back to what Johnny's saying, I don't think it's just Liverpool that that are missing out on these these the, the very top players. No, I just want to make a point as well. The, the sort of the hottest prospect here in Brazil at the minute is Gabriel Jesus. And, you know, it's it's widely accepted he's going to go to City. It's widely accepted he's going to be loaned back again to Palmeiras, who's his parent club at the moment, uh, until the new year, until the end of the season there. But if I look at him going, and, and in the last sort of 68 months, this kid has, I mean, he has improved Seismically, it's 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 amazing. He's he's not the player he was. Uh, he absolutely fantastic. He, he's developed so much. But will he get in in front of uh, an Aguero? Not a chance. He's just not there yet. But he needs the game time 
at that level to, to reach the level of Aguero. And, and you know, City are just taking this player who could be playing game in, game out every week and improving, and they're going to stick him on a bench, they're going to put him in the reserves, they're going to play him in the League Cup, they're not going to expose him to the top, top levels, or maybe a 10-minute, 15-minute thing. We've seen it with Chelsea over the last few seasons, stockpiling these young players, loaning them out. Don't get me wrong, they make lots of money back on them, but at what cost to their careers? Now, and, and for Liverpool, well, you wind it back to a Liverpool perspective, in that respect, we aren't so bad. Um, at least the players that we bring in, at least we play them, or you, you know, we expect to see them through the course of the season. Um, and I just, I just worry about you know all this money running around, uh, you know, especially City and Chelsea who do buy a lot of young players, but how many of them actually get to, to their first team? You know that that kid Cuadrado, that uh, that another Colombian who who plays for well, he was Juventus last season, a brilliant player, couldn't get into the Chelsea team. You know, uh, John, what, what's your thoughts on all that? Uh, no, I see your point. I mean, I see your point about the stockpile of the players, which Chelsea particularly are notorious. I mean, if you look at the De Bruyne and players like that, and, and you know, players that went there and it, uh, it didn't work out for them. You see what's happening even with Sterling. Uh, you had players like Scott Sinclair went to Man City who were very highly rated and it just didn't work out. So I get your point. But to my mind, you look at someone like Dembele and maybe Dembele's a... Maybe Dembele is a bad example because I think even Barcelona were in for him and he ended up going to going to Dortmund in the end. But I find it hard to believe some of these younger players wouldn't be able to get regular. Uh, if this man Dembele was at Liverpool, he'd be straight in our starting eleven. There's no doubt about that. He would be absolutely in our starting eleven, and he would be a star for us very quickly. And it was one of the things I was hoping for, especially with younger players and Klopp. Uh, is that the elite level young players and the Devlin's there, right? You know, Ta, someone like that at right centre back is exactly what we need. But I, I, I agree, Dave, to an extent. And, and, and Neil, Neil Patterson there and his points bang on as well. You know, that you've got that perception with the Premier League that it is about greed, it is about money. A, a lot of players go there and it's not good for their career and they're picking teams sensibly. But I would like to think, and maybe it's it's early days yet, but I'd like to think with Klopp, we're going to get to a point where we can start to attract those elite young players and put them in the team and develop them quickly as well. No, I hear you, Nat. I want to swing back to, across Neil Devlin. One last point on FSG. I, I was touched on, um, it was touched on briefly during the conversation, is that they're not afraid to spend money. And the one thing about their baseball teams, they always have marquee signings. They always have brands. But they seem to have omitted that from their from the you know the business model at Liverpool, and it, that is a, you know as I say I am not against FSG in any way, but these are the questions that, that jump into my head. What would your thoughts be on that? I think it's been said a lot before that uh, these guys are baseball guys, so they know they know baseball, and they're kind of relying on other people when it comes to football. And sure enough, that's not their fault. But I just think it's it's got to be a process of getting the right people in the right positions. It kind of comes, comes back to that youth point as well. If FSG want to be the outlier in the Premier League and be the guys that are bringing through youth and things, they need to put put in the processes and stuff there that ensure that that happens or else it's just a, it's a dud of a strategy. Like this, this has been their strategy since 2011 and it's not worked so far. So they either need to sit down and say, why has it not worked? Or we're changing our... our policy or our, our strategy going forward because it's plain to see where we've basically we've had one good season which as you say ultimately ended in failure and then other people say as well sure look at Tottenham they're doing the same sort of thing but 
Tottenham aren't winning anything either. Sure, they're in the Champions League next year, but we were in the Champions League at the end of 13-14, so it's kind of like you just got to sit down and evaluate, are we doing the right things? Do we need to maybe go the route of in America where, hey, we need this big brand because it sells and all that, or do we need to go and be the outliers in the Premier League? And even if further ahead of that, what you're saying with the Premier League as well, even deeper is... Is it even possible to do that in the Premier League with the way that the Premier League brands itself? So these are all sort of questions that FSG need to figure out themselves. And ultimately, if they don't have the answers, they basically need to move on. And I don't say that in a way that I hate FSG or I don't respect what they've done. But there can be a case made for they've saved us or whatever. They brought us to a certain level. But do we kind of need somebody else to bring us that just that next step of where we need we want to be and we need to be. So yeah, that's just sort of my thoughts on that. Guys, can I just cheer everyone up by, by informing you that the Everton billionaires haven't been able to sign Ashley Williams yet? <laughs> <laughs> Shit happens. Well, is, he, is he snubbed him? <laughs> that's cheered me up. I know a blue nose at work and he keeps telling me about the people's billionaire. And uh, they've just seen that they can't, they're, they're haggling with Swansea for Ashley Williams with their billions Opponents, so Ashley Williams and a dress a gay. I mean, it's hardly. I mean, we're worried about we're we're worried about unglamorous signings. I mean, Jesus Christ. Well, here I, I don't know, but at least, as somebody pointed out earlier on here in this chat, at least we're not selling our players for nothing and buying them back for a hundred million. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, a field that, youth policy. <laughs> yeah, I mean that really is. Yes, indeed. But, but Dave, it's a that, coup. I mean, They've just, pulled off a coup, Dave. It's a coup. <laughs> that just illustrates your point, Dave, about um, young players not getting a chance ahead of established pros and whatever. I mean, Alex Ferguson called Paul Scholes back by the retirement rather than play Paul Pogba. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So he, you know, he never had a, a chance to develop, and now what, four or five years later, four, four seasons later, they're buying him back for a hundred million. So, but on the. Uh, on the um, branding point, I think I think FSG have made their move on the brand. You know, and I think the brand is now Klopp at the moment. Certainly, he is he and uh, his personality is is all encompassing. Really, I mean, he he's everywhere. He's certainly very much now the face of of Liverpool. You know, he he is Mister Liverpool, and he is our brand now around around the world. Ahead of you know, in the absence of having a, a real superstar standout marquee player at the moment or talisman or whatever you want what word you want to use is he a think... shiny thing though do you know do you know what i mean when yeah I say like that? it could be fsg could, kind could... of go through a, a shiny thing phase with a lot of people they kind of did it with kenny and camoli and then with rogers just kind yeah, of go through well, that sort of thing they want they want to stop yeah no? originally i know yeah that. originally so so maybe they've you know they've got him, and and I suppose they'll go look for the time being. We're, we're going to follow his model, but but it has. You know, you're right. It, it has to work. You know, it it has to progress, and we'll see. I mean, this is the first window he spent any money in, and he's you know brought in quite a lot of players. There are quite a few going out as well, so it's going to be a new look. You know, a new look Liverpool. His Liverpool next season. So I suppose we've, like I said earlier, we've kind of got to let that go, and then. If that still doesn't appear to be working, it's that balancing act, isn't it? Neil? it's like, at what point? How long do you have to stick with something before you know you pull away from it? Do you know what I mean? So if do you put and if you pull away too early, have you just fucked everything up completely and wasted your time? Again, if you stick with something too long, 
have you missed an opportunity to do something to, to, to do something better? So I mean, it, it's it's really that um, that dilemma that they'll have if by January and at the end of the season things aren't really taken uh, taken shape. We talked a little bit last week about uh, the Sacco situation. He was sent back from uh, San Francisco, and certainly I got rumours that that was the end of the road for Sacco. He was on his way. He was being packed out. Now, it doesn't appear to be that case. Thank God it doesn't appear to be that case. You know, I'll, I'll come around the table with this one. Do you think it was more sort of Klopp just asserting the authority here? I'm the boss here. You don't fuck about. Um, that is the way it's going to be. I'll, I'll throw it to John first. Yeah, I think it was, Dave. I mean, we were talking about it, and at the time we were talking about it, we weren't sure, and then Klopp came out, which was good, and he just cleared the whole thing up, and I don't think it's a big enough issue that, that, that Sacco's going to be finding himself going out the door, but it doesn't, uh, in fairness to it doesn't show Sacco in a good light. To, for me, he doesn't come out of that. Well, it does come across as, he, and he's a likable character, and he's certainly... My favourite centre-back at the club, and I think he's the best centre-back at the club, comfortably, by the way. But he doesn't come out of it well, and it'll be the the rap on the knuckles that he might need just to have that bit more professionalism and sort him out for the, the season, get fit, get into the team, and focus on what he's really good at, which is which is playing centre-back and, and, and being a really good defender. But I, I really hope it's not the, the end of his career, and by all, by all accounts, it's not. Um, so let's just all move on. I think that would be the best thing to come out of it. And Neil Patterson, he's taken he's taken a few pelters th- this week, and you know he does split the fan base. I know he doesn't split anybody here because we're all basically on the same page with him. But there's an awful lot of fans out there who don't rate him at all, and I do rate him, and I don't want to see him going anywhere. Like you said, we we all rate him, and he he does take pelters, and he he, he certainly is a divisive character. Although I can't for the life of me really think why. You know, there have been a few moments here and there. Of course, he's made a couple of clangers. He is a centre-back. They do do that. But, I mean, he has shown when he gets into the team that what he can bring to it and what he adds, uh, not just in being quite a cool head at the back and whatever, but also in, in you know, making those passes and, and setting up attacks and and helping out Moreno and, and all the rest of it. And poor Moreno, he gets absolute pelters when he's not playing beside Sacco. So that's a, sort of another knock-on effect. But... I mean, I agree with Johnny in the sense that it doesn't look good. It wasn't good what he did. You know, should know a bit better. Some of it might have been decking around, but he shouldn't really be missing a, a recovery session for his injury and all the rest of it. So Klopp has kind of asserted his authority. He sent him home and, you know, he's spoken very candidly about it, but it, it does seem to be just one of those things. I mean, and these things happen all the time. I, I suppose just now you hear about them much more. So, yeah, I think we we just put it behind us. And I want him starting for us, you know, in as many games as possible. He is our best centre-back. And uh, I think we're just generally a much better outfit when he's in the team. Yeah, and who could argue with that? Uh, Neil Devlin, uh, I was hopefully he might get the captain's armband. He might lose that over the head of this. Um, you know, what are your thoughts? I don't think much has changed. It's kind of contrary to... Well, a particular journalist, let's call him Jay Pierce, or maybe James P, whichever one you want to call him. Jimmy Boy. <laughs> Jimbo. Contrary to reports and all that there, he's not actually in trouble or whatever. I just see it as a sort of a, kind of like, Klopp's maybe taken him to the side and said, hey, this sort of atmosphere over here isn't really conducive to you getting fit as quick as possible. And they probably had an agreement and said, yeah, it really isn't. Because if, he, if Saka was on the trip and he wasn't injured, 
not, I don't think for a second he would have been sent home for any of this. I think it's just a, well, you don't really need to be here. And this clearly not really helping your recovery. He was, so, there, so just, he was there for the jolly and, and, and yeah. the PR. Like if you're go if you were on a, a work, a, a work retreat somewhere or something like that, you could, you weren't able to do your job or something. You'd, you'd be dicking around. It's, you would be doing that. So obviously, it's not professional, or whatever. But I don't think it's as big a deal as what everybody's made it, made it out to be. Is kind of they've probably just sat down, they've had a discussion, and said, "Hey, you're probably going to be back sooner, which is better for the team overall. It's better for you if you just go back and you just get well, and you'll have a structure because there's no structure when you're flying around or whenever. And when you're coming back from an injury, that's what you need. You need structure. And I don't think that it really affects the armband situation either. For a start, I don't think he's going to get the armband. I don't know why. I just don't think Klopp thinks he's that type of player. Do you see it sticking with Henderson or what? I think Cannes is captain in the long term, honestly. But yeah, I do in the long term as well. Yeah, I think I think next year, I think he'll give Henderson this year again. And then I, I personally don't think Henderson will reach the heights that he did before. But I still think after, even after this season, I think can he'll give him a, he doesn't want to come in and say hey I'm taking the captaincy straight right off you or whatever and I'm going to make this my captain I think he'll give him another year and then that's another year of development for Can as well and then I think he just sort of sort of the way that the captaincy was taken off Hoopy and given to Jared at the time it was just the right time and it sort of spurred him on so I think that's what that's the approach Klopp will take so I think maybe in 12 months time keep an eye maybe Can could come through as the, as the potential captain candidate I think he he doesn't want to lump any more responsibility on Sacco because I think he's already got too much going on anyway, and it's quite clear to see that he can maybe act out at times. There's the Everton debacle. There's this on on the trip to America. There's the whole drug gate, whatever you want to call it. So he maybe just doesn't want to add anything more to that sort of cocktail of shenanigans. No, and that and that's pretty fair. Although I I could solve the whole solution. The whole solution to the problem is just sell Jordan Henderson. In my opinion, that that would solve the whole fucking lot. You get good money um, too. But listen, exactly. While 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 the stock is still high, because there's rumours that you know that he's carrying this injury and he'll never really be a hundred percent again. Time to quit, as far as I'm concerned. But listen, I'm going to open it up. Anybody else want anything to, to talk about? Anything's happened in the past week, or anything you feel of note you might want to bring to the table? Julian Draxler apparently has asked to leave his club, which Ooh. is very interesting. We'll, we'll see now how ambitious we are. <laughs> hey, Neil. Is that another, is that another attack That's on midfielder you're talking about? That's there, another right? attack on midfielder, that was it. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Sell Alana, sell Milner, yeah. sell them all, buy Draxler. Is anybody, yeah, se- is anybody selling the left side of centre back by any chance? No, <laughs> <laughs> we could go in double, double. You know, double two for one. maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get Phil Bob back on the market, boys. We can make a wee offer. I have actually, I have, a, I have a point to make. Have has anybody taken note of the fact that we're one injury away from Connor Randall starting? <laughs> That's a real concern for me. Well, right back, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Klein gets injured. Yeah, or even at left back, Klein will maybe have to move across to left back. Randall <laughs> will come in then at right back. So either way, we're a full back injury away from Connor Randall and. For me, he is absolute shite. <laughs> yeah, he is. Well, right. I'm, I'm going to jump in. 
I'll jump in here, and um, I th- honestly, my belief is that you know, while he's still injured, Joe Gomez will be the cover across that back line because he can play all the positions, and I think that that is the thinking for this season. If we don't go into the market for a left-back or a new right-back, that is what he's he's thinking because we did start the season, well, it was Rodgers, um, uh, and who can say, but Joe Gomez, in the, in the limited time that he did have before his injury, didn't look appalling at all in that position and and I think that maybe that's in the back of Klopp's head I, I wouldn't be surprised that you know get Joe Gomez back at least you know we cover the centre he can cover the left and he can cover the right what, what would your thoughts be? Dave will... do you know what that is that is a really good shout because that is one of the, the players that you almost forget about he was so close to coming back and I think it just shows how bloody unlucky we've been to lose Karius to lose Madden to lose Sacco and to lose Gomez are all players that we'd want to start, um, but it highlights that we we just had no luck preseason with our defenders. Yeah, uh, the only thing that for me that we worry about, about that is just I wouldn't want him going out there sort of as a guy to do a job out there and then get lost in his career out there. You know what I mean? I want him to be playing in the centre because I believe that's where he's best and where that's his career, the peak of his career could lie. So I wouldn't want him to lose any experience or any playing time learning that position having to cover for our field transfer policy really yeah no i see what you mean with uh back as well and you've got the the milner utility function do a job um, yeah i mean if you put him a full back he can't he will go up and get up and down and he he will link up really well that's something that he, he really does well you know dovetail with with the midfielder and um Usually he, he does it as the midfielder, but he can he can do it as a fullback as well. I mean it's not ideal, but I mean I don't see him getting a game anywhere else. You know I think it, it, if what we've seen in preseason, he is going to be uh, considered certainly to to be uh, you know the backup option uh, at right and left back perhaps, and unless we go back into the market. I'd rather he was wasting one. his career out there than Joe Gomez personally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd like Gomez just to come through and learn. You know, learn how to play at centre back for us, like properly. You know, come through and, and be 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 Lovren's replacement next season, if you know what I mean. It goes back to uh, the, the what we were saying about youth as well. If they want to be the outliers and you want to give them the chance, then show all these players that hey, look, here's a young centre back and he's getting to play in his preferred position and he's getting experience there. He's getting exposure. Exactly, exactly right. Exactly right. Because somebody like Andre Wisdom, for example, I don't know if he would have made the created centre back because. Nobody's got a crystal ball, but he has very little chance of doing it now because he's basically played played right. He played right back for two seasons, then he he went on loan and he's played hardly any games in the last two years. And you know he's, he's he certainly doesn't look like he's going to make the grade for us now. And so many for every one defense centre back that cut his teeth playing at full back and then and then became a centre back, um, there are ten more who. Who went to play at fullback and never never made it? So yeah, there is that. But yeah, I mean, on on the sort of general point and on youth there, since you since you mentioned it there, Neil. I mean, what I've noticed in, in some of these preseason games is is the emergence of youth. You know, I mean, I think you can you can I mean, of course we had that Woodburn scoring as a sixteen year old, and that's a great story. And in a season season and a half, maybe he, he's going to be making an impact. But that even the likes of Ojo. You know, I mean that that he's he was a big standout for me in last night's game. He he uh, and he played really well against Milan when he came on as well. He seems to have bulked up 
just in the last few months, he seems to have, you know, he seems to be a, almost becoming a man now compared to, you know, still being a bit of a boy whenever he was getting his, his run out towards the end of last season, the middle of last season. He spent on the Arigi diet. Yeah, I mean, it is a bit like that. I mean, he's, he's, he's a beast now. I mean, he's, he's powerful. And, you know, I read a stat today. He's been involved in, um, what was it, 12 goals in his last 13, 13 Liverpool starts, appearances? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, it was yeah not not start but just the appearances um, over ten minutes or more you know as an appearance count so I mean that's pretty fucking phenomenal. Obviously we had Ejaria as well who's done uh, he's gone out injured as well but he's looked really really good. Markovic come back and looked looked tidy enough as well. I mean he has this kind of languid style that um, people don't like. He sort of looks like he's not getting stuck in a what, and maybe there is a question about how full-blooded he might be in a tackle, but he's a very, very... He can play right-back as well, Neil. He can play, <laughs> that's he can it, play that's right-back. It. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very intelligent player, like, and he links the play fantastically well. I mean, there are certainly facets of his game he needs to improve, but if he hangs around, that could be interesting. And then, since you mentioned right-backs, and we've been talking about them, Trent Alexander-Arnold has looked pretty fucking amazing as well for 17 years old he certainly looks like if he keeps progressing he'll he'll definitely make it into the first team uh not too in the not too distant future so that kind of thing's been really a bit of an eye-opener for me because i i don't pay that much attention to the academy and so on you know probably should but but you know you don't really have the time whatever um but that's been you know they've been really really impressive and i think ojo could um Hopefully he stays around. Hopefully he'll get the games and stay around. I think Klopp was a bit non-committal on on whether he will be going on loan or not. But he look he's looked really good. And just a wee point to make as well. Like, can you imagine the fume if uh, if Rogers had to put Miller right back? You know, Klopp Klopp has a has has a charmed life with supporters at the moment. You know what I mean? Uh, could you just imagine if Rogers was still in charge and, and had played Milner at left back? The, the Pelters, you know, look at what happened over uh, Markovic. I agree that was wrong. Now, as regards Milner, I couldn't care less where he plays. You know, fuck on the bench as far as I'm concerned. Far away from the team, as far as I'm concerned, is, is the best. It doesn't We're get any worse there. than Danny um, Ings at but, left wing back. No, <laughs> no. Well, it doesn't actually. You know, it, it, it really doesn't. But at least you know, at least Klopp seems to know what he's doing, so you can you can put a little bit. But you know. It was put to me the other day, are, are we giving Jurgen Klopp too much? I know we're over time, but I don't care. Are we giving Jurgen Klopp too much rope, too much um, love, too much, you know, for, for someone who's never won anything for us and so on? Now, as a devil advocate, I, I, I love the guy. But again, I can see, yes, he hasn't won anything. And, you know, at times there's certain portions of our fan base who, who think, fuck, you'd think we've won it all with them, the way they're getting on. But, you know, there's still a bit to go for Klopp. Um, you know, what do you think? No, I think... Um... I think you've got to. I think uh, people who are saying that belong to the um, instant instant fix mentality. No, he hasn't won anything for us, but he's been in charge for eight months, I believe, and taken us further in, in that eight months than, than Brendan Rodgers ever did, really. He's taken us to final of a European competition, which, um, you know, we haven't been in uh, since, what, 2005? Well, no, 2007. So, you know, a decade so he's done really well straight away. Um, yes, he's going to get a leeway because of his track record, and Rogers got plenty of leeway. Um, and there were still fans, you know, we don't need to name them because we know who they were, who who still, you know, who still wanted Rogers in after the Stoke result, 
who still thought it was too much to sack him then, who still accused people of having an agenda, an agenda against the manager rather than just an agenda for the club. You know, so so there were, you know, you're always going to get people who are going to question and question. Yes, he's going to be judged on his record. Yes, he's going to be judged by what he wins. But you can't expect somebody to come in and pick up Brendan Rodgers' broken squad, mismatched, um, imbalanced, completely out of sync and bereft of all confidence, and then turn them into winners in, in less than less than less than a year, you know, less than a season. So obviously it's gonna get harsher and harsher as times go on because that's the way it works and he will have more and more to prove if the longer that we go without any success. But at the moment, of course you've got to give him leeway because he hasn't had the time to do anything else. There, there it is. Um, you know, there is that impatience sort of sneaking in, and I think the, these underwhelming signings, as some of the fan base would see them. John, quickly, thoughts? I think with Klopp, you're right, Dave, he can get away with it a wee bit in terms of what a, of, of what he wants to do. Um, I could imagine the furore if Brendan has, had, had been sticking Milner in the left back. But, but I think, you know, when we talk about Klopp and people saying, oh, he hasn't won anything, he bloody came close to winning something first twice. And he only came in in October without a preseason. hadn't done any of the hadn't done any of the fitness work with the with the team hardly at any time. So I, I think, given what he's done before as well with Dortmund, he's earned that bit of uh, of time. And I think once he moves out some of the players out of that squad that he sees as probably deadwood, you'll start to see uh, more coming in as well. But, but there's certainly no reason at this time to be anything other than 100% behind the, the manager, in my opinion. And Neil Devlin, quickly, and your plug also afterwards, if you're getting to plug, what what what's your thoughts on this one? Just one simple point is basically just look at what Klopp has won before. That's why he gets the time. All Rogers had to point to was <laughs> what he called the pinnacle of his career, which is getting uh, the, the of any career of any football manager's career. Yeah, <laughs> the promotion trophy. So yeah, for me, like it's a non-contest at least. Klopp can say, hey, look, I, I won these things. It's the same sort of thing with Van Gaal at United. You could slag him off all you like, but his record will always be there. In terms of plugs, nothing nothing really. Uh, you can get me at Burpleman on Twitter. That's sort of where you get me. That's where I write things, because anything over 140 characters is probably just a bit too much for me. Even that's a bit too much for people. I lose followers by the day. <laughs> I'm close to. I'm trying to get to zero. It's it's the mission of mine. Once I get to zero, I'll just I'll sign off and that'll be me. So if you want to help me get to that, go for it. But yeah, I don't write anything. So and I don't have a website or anything. So yeah, just get me up, Purple Man. That's cool. And I'll come across Neil Patterson, who always promises he's going to write something, never does. But plug away, Neil. <laughs> well, I may write at some point. You can you can find it. Uh, you'll be able to find it if I ever do on, on Cop Left or. or Possibly on on Ampel Index. Uh, hopefully, I will write something. Hopefully, the, the new season will inspire me to, to actually fucking get off that hole and do it. Uh, otherwise, yeah, just catch me on on the Copcast podcast at the moment. I think we're recording a new writers pod next week on Ampel Index, so you can keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, I'm at Neil1980 on Twitter. If you could be bothered to follow me, nah, couldn't be arsed. Uh, <laughs> and John, for you, uh, doing anything? You. you yeah, he John, who actually does write occasionally. Are you do, uh, are you doing anything at the minute? I'm not writing anything at the minute, but we'll do <laughs> as soon as the as the season gets underway. Yeah, I'm I'm the same as as the other guys there. If you just want to have a, a a chat about football or sometimes politics. I'm on at Tubin Lad on Twitter. 
So give us a wee follow. It's always good crack on there, linking up with we fellow Reds having the crack. And other than that, uh, you can find me at at DaveRN66. If you can be bothered, I wouldn't if I were you, but uh, everyone, each to their own. Uh, and me plugs, I just want to plug WFI. Um, we have a few shows out this week with our usual bodies in the box, which talks about, as I say, in, in during this podcast, we talked about it. Football brands, the players, the clubs, the black, the brands that they're becoming, the massive corporate giants that they're becoming, and just the effect on the game. Um, we've got a tactics pod out yesterday with Stevie Greve looking at defending. And what else do we have? Yeah, Copa Libertadores, the final of the Copa Libertadores. Uh, we covered that and some nice questions in there as well from Twitter. So if you if you don't follow WFI, give it a, give it a roll. It's uh, it's growing by the week and growing very fast. And I'm sort of very proud of what, what what's happening over there at the minute. I'd say it's, it's, the potential is very good for it. But other than that, I don't think it'll be myself next week on this one. Um, I don't know who's going to host it. It'll be a surprise for you. Uh, but just to thank everybody for your time, as always, guys, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Love doing pods with these guys. <laughs> always a good conversation. Always great crack. And until the next one, just these to say thank you again for downloading. Thanks for listening. And until the next one, goodbye. Goodbye.